It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, the trade deadline in the books at last. Now we got two more games in the books as well. But Christian, before we even get into this, I got to say, I'm so happy that we're done with the trade deadline. Now that we know what this team is, we can stop speculating every single episode on who's going to be on this team, who's going to get traded, Claude Giroux this, and everyone else that. I'm just happy, like, okay, now it's just hockey. Let's just focus on the end of the year. Yeah, and we can kind of build to see what this team's going to be like now at its final form. Um, Kind of look at who's going to be uh, the mainstays in the lineup, who's going to be the sixth, seventh defenseman, like just all that fun stuff we get to do. Usually at the beginning of the season, we get to do it all again right now. Um, But yeah, I'm really pumped about it. Yeah, one thing I'm very happy about is we don't have to hear about they need to trade for a goalie. We don't have to hear about that until the offseason ever again, or, or at least until the playoffs, I guess. That's when everyone needs to get traded after every single loss. But Regardless, trade deadline's done. Arturi Lekkinen, Nico Sturm, Josh Manson, and Andrew Cogliano, all members of the Avs, only Tyson Jost going out the other way. This team adds all the things that they need. And after watching these last two games against the Oilers and the Canucks, um, they need them. They need them pretty badly because, yeah, let's they go one and one on this current three-game homestand. They'll finish it up uh, tomorrow or today by the time you're listening to this against the Flyers. But for the first two games, they beat the Edmonton Oilers in OT in a game that I was very happy to see them win, but not their best effort. And the Canucks game, doubly so. And we'll start there with the Canucks game. For the first 40 minutes, Christian, uh, maybe maybe you have something that I don't, but I don't have anything to say about the first 40 minutes. There was, I think Cogliano had a chance to score. There was um, the, the Nico Sturm setting up Cogliano almost happened, but 
Yeah. And then Cagliano got in like a wrestling match. And that's uh, Kale McCarla made Quinn Hughes fall over. That was funny. <laughs> yes. Um, I got a very good chuckle out of that because he didn't just break yeah. his ankles. He sent him into the boards. Yeah, it, it was pretty funny. Uh, but like you said, there just really wasn't a whole lot going on for the abs in this game. Um, I thought it was going to be another game where the refs were not going to call anything. But, uh, man, I had a tweet age poorly. <laughs> I said, I said, uh, refs just not calling anything against the Canucks. And after that, there were five penalties called on the Canucks and zero on the avalanche. So um, a lot of people found that tweet and did not see the time at when I tweeted that. But uh, yeah, it turned into a uh, power play fest for the abs uh, near the end. And they only scored once. Yeah. And that was their only goal of the game from Nazem Kadri after they were already down to nothing. This is something we've talked about too much this season. This Avalanche team just waiting until they're losing before they finally decide to turn it on. And it's worked a lot of the time. You don't accidentally get to 18 comebacks. But in this game, I guess the theme of this game is the Vancouver Canucks are fighting for their playoff lives right now. They're on the outside looking in. They got an uphill battle ahead of them. They have to pass Vegas. Now they have to pass Winnipeg too. Now the Jets have started winning. And they've got to pass Dallas, who's kind of entrenched themselves into that spot just above the playoff line. So they're fighting for their lives. The Avalanche are 11 points up on Calgary for the entire West. You've got two teams in completely different scenarios right now. And you could see it in this one. The Canucks wanted this game badly. And the Avalanche, it took them being down 2 nothing, giving up two early goals in the third period from a team that wanted it more to be like, oh, I okay, well, there's 16 minutes left. I guess I have time for this now. Yeah, they they turned it on and it was just, I was like, where was this at the whole fucking game, man? <laughs> like They clearly could have just beat the shit out of the Canucks. Okay, maybe not beat the shit, but they, if they, they play that way, yeah, if they play like 16 minutes of that game, they win that game. Five one maybe, like is that is that a fair guess? I'd say without a doubt they win that game pretty handily. I mean, it's Yaroslav Halak in the other net, a guy who two starts ago let in uh, six goals on fourteen shots for a barely above five hundred save percentage in that game. And so, and sometimes you get gold. You can't take away what Halak did in this game. He played great. However, I feel like a lot of the the shots we put on him weren't all that threatening. No, I mean, there were a couple on the power play. They had a couple chances, but I agree. There weren't a ton of, a ton of dangerous looks for the abs in that game. And especially at even strength. I mean, the, the five on five scoring has dried up these last couple of games, all power play goals against Edmonton, your lone goal in this game against the Canucks is on the power play. Even strength, or I guess five on five, because I guess we scored technically at even strength and OT against Edmonton, but Five on five, we haven't scored since the four nothing goal against the Sharks. Like it's been a minute, and that is simply not going to cut it against Minnesota, who you've got coming up this weekend, and Calgary right after that. And then obviously for the playoffs, if you're only scoring on the power play, it is not that hard to beat you. No, because the power play, you get maybe one or two a game if you're lucky. In the playoffs, In the playoffs absolutely. If you're lucky, you get one or two. So, um, it's nice to see the power play clicking again. It's just, can you imagine if this team got both clicking, how good we'd be? <laughs> like if both were going at the same time, how good they'd be? Because there was that moment in time where they were dominant five on five and couldn't score 
on the power play. And now it's can't score on the uh, can't score five on five, but we're scoring on the power play. Like you, you just can't get both. It just it feels like there's always some sort of trade off. Like the like you were just saying, the power play hits a slump for like 10, 15 games, but five on five, we're scoring like madmen and the penalty kills looking good. And the power play starts to get better. And then the penalty kill starts to sink into the mud, but even strength, we're still doing okay. Then the penalty kill gets better and the power play is rolling. And then all of a sudden you can't score at even strength and just constantly waiting for all of these things to start clicking together at once. And maybe that all just starts to click in the playoffs, but it's starting to be a very annoying cycle. Yeah, very annoying. Um, you got to think it's going to work out in the play. Like, I would rather have um, fucking the five-on-five scoring at a ridiculous clip than the power play in the playoffs because, like we just said, the, the, the playoffs, you get maybe one to two power plays if you're lucky, and they've got to be egregious penalties for you to get a power play in the playoffs. Like, I, I don't know. I I, I – Maybe I'm crazy, but I'd rather just have – if I had to sacrifice one, it'd be the power play. Yeah, without question. I mean, you're playing 95% of the game at five-on-five five in the playoffs. Maybe less than that if you're lucky, but odds are you're not going to get that lucky in the playoffs and start getting calls, as we saw against Vegas after game two. They just stopped calling everything. They, they only called Vegas for delay of games. Delay games. The, the only thing they just couldn't refute. But, but like we, we complain and we bitch and moan about it, but that's just the unfortunate reality of the playoffs is that they stop calling shit. And for a team like the abs, that is devastating because the best way you can defend this team is to cheat hook slash trip everything else. There's no more effective defense than against any team in the league than just fucking cheating. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's what it is. It's cheating. I know it sounds harsh, but you're breaking the rules and getting away with it. It's cheating. Yeah, I mean, they're, it's just one of those things where it's the Daryl Sutter special. Like, hook and slash as much until they call it. Because, like, you're going to find if they call Calgary, like, hard in the playoffs, which they don't do in the regular season, so it doesn't really fucking matter, uh, they could be in trouble because they'll be on the fucking PK every two minutes with how much they hook and slash. Yeah, and it's the, it's the common gripe in the playoffs is that it favors teams like Boston over the years that just – hook slash hold at every opportunity because they're not going to call everything. If they call like one out of every 10 penalties, that's still favoring them because they've built their whole team around that. And so if we're, if in the playoffs, if that all of a sudden just dries up and you're not going to the power play anymore, you're really going to struggle. So I'm, I'm really hoping to see the, the even strength pick up soon. And a lot of that's going to have to come from guys that are not on the top line. The top, the top line, line's been great. Top line's top dangerous line's been, every time it's out there. McKinnon and Rantanen have been excellent. And Val stepping in for Landeskog has done a great job. Outside of them, it has been a fat load of nothing. Especially, I as- mean, Val... Val is starting to show his stone hands again. There's been a couple chances if Landis Scog's in, I think they score. Without a doubt. I mean, it's it's his skill ceiling. He's not a top-line winger, and he's never going to be a top-line winger. He, he maxes out at a second-line winger who plays really well besides two good players in Kadri and Berkey. You put him on the top line for a little while, you know, okay, it's not Landis Cog, It's It's Landis Cog light. He can't do the things that Landis Cog does, but it just as an 
as an idea, it works just fine and it can work in a pinch and it'll work until the end of the season. Yeah. But, but like last night, if, if Val can even convert on like two of the chances, I think McKinnon set him up twice, just like right in front of the goal and he missed them both. Especially um, on the power play. Yeah. Like it, Val is playing fantastic. I want to take nothing away from Val, but if, <laughs> if we have Landy in there, I think we probably win that, win that game. Probably a couple more five on five goals too. Cause McKinnon's been unreal these past couple of games. Yeah, McKinnon's playing like a man possessed. He played, he's, well, obviously he's played very angry against the Oilers and the Canucks. There was the, the Quinn Hughes cross check that was going around that had everyone being like, oh my God, McKinnon, he's so mean. And ignoring, yeah, he's that a Quinn, player. Yeah, ignoring that Quinn Hughes slashed him seven times. And that was a very easy flop from Quinn Hughes on the cross check. I mean, McKinnon, well, he cross checked him. He deserves a penalty. I'm not saying that's not a penalty. But Hughes like dives onto his stomach and goes from center ice into the boards. I mean, give me a give me a break. Well, people are forgetting that fucking Quinn Hughes last time he didn't get a call against him against the Avs just broke his stick over Samuel Gerrard. Right. Probably gave Samuel Gerrard that lower body injury. So really, Quinn Hughes is the the menace in this scenario. Yeah, just to get off topic, I have never watched Quinn Hughes outside of his rookie season and go, "Wow, this guy's really good." I'm constantly unimpressed by Quinn Hughes. He just always seems to never deliver on the hype. Maybe I just always catch him on a bad night, but I'm not even just talking about against the abs. Every time I watch the Canucks, Quinn Hughes just seems like a very irritable child. Well, I mean, that's kind of how I feel like, I feel like he, I wonder if people in Vancouver would say the same thing where it's kind of like he did so great his first year and people were probably expecting him to be like Kale McCarr and just Kale McCarr has leaps and bounds better than him. Like, that's got to be a little frustrating. And he gets paid pretty well. I want to say he makes like 6.5. I think it's more than that if I, yeah. I can quickly look it up. It might be six. I want to say he signed seven years, six million. It is um, 7.85 until yeah. 2027. Yeah. Like, I think he's – him and Sam Gerrard are very similar players. And we got Sammy G at, what, five? We signed yeah. to a seven by five? Five or for – Five by term. seven. Yeah. yeah. Five million for less term. Or, no, same term, 2027. So, yeah, and I think they're very, very similar players. Very similar players. Yeah, like, I, j- I have just never – been super impressed by Quinn Hughes. I'm just, I love the fact that this was ever even a conversation as to who's better between him and Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr, we'll get into this later, is leaps and bounds ahead of every defenseman in the NHL. And it's not close, despite what other people will tell you. But getting back to the the topic at hand, the top line, McKinnon and Ranton. Ranton's turned it around. I thought he's been playing very solid the last little bit outside of the the occasional boneheaded play, but when the, when those guys are playing 25 minutes a game, and I'm, again, I did not say that wrong, 25 minutes each, meaning Val did two, that's a problem. I know a lot of that comes on the power play, but the second line, the third line, they have been terrible at five on five. And a lot of that falls on Burakovsky. Kadri has not been good at five on five. Logan O'Connor has just hit a wall. Like there's, there's no nice way to put it. He's hit a wall. I know, I know his start to the season was unsustainable. I thought this last little stretch has just been it evening out. He's gotten worse lately. Yeah. I feel like, and the third line, 
Alex Newhook is doing everything he can, but he cannot drag these corpses around. Like he's, he's a rookie. He's 21 years old. He hasn't scored a goal since the, the Buffalo game in Buffalo. Since then, he's, got, he's picked up a couple assists. What do you want him to do? Like, he's I got no one else around him. Yeah, there's no one else around him that's even doing anything. And like, comfort is just comfort needs to drive play a lot more than he has been. Like, Newhook can't do everything. The rookie cannot be doing everything on the third line. But I don't want to let the second line off the hook here. Burakovsky is really digging on my last nerve right now. He, he scored those goals uh, against Vegas, against Winnipeg, against the Islanders. Like, okay, here he goes. That's three goals in four games. He's going to get hot again. W- what did I say before we started? Eight games without a goal again? Yeah. You, you cannot be serious with this. You are 27. This cannot keep happening, especially with Landeskog out and you being relied on in a top six role like this. you got to be good for a goal like at least every three to four games. If you're well, not gonna... the, thing, the thing that was frustrating me, I was watching Berkey. He had so many chances last night. He passed up so many patented Berkey, um, patented Berkey wrist shot opportunities. And he just passed them up. Like I saw Evan tweeted about how how big of a net do you think Andre Burakovsky's shooting that? I, I think it's maybe one of those like lawn yard games size. I'm, th- I'm thinking he's trying to hit a tractor trailer the way he's shooting at this rate. But the thing is, like you're totally right. He's had opportunities, and even the ones he has capitalized on and tried to shoot on, he's missed entirely. You're a sniper with no finish. What good are you then? Like that, it, it's a problem, man. So he's he's very frustrating, like to well, the goal scoring aspect of it. But he's he's, I mean, he's not even contributing really five on five. I just. I don't know what goes through his head. He just loses confidence so quickly. I've never seen a player lose confidence more quickly than Andre Burakovsky. Yeah, and it just gets to a point like right now where it's like, okay, now we're waiting for him to get hot again. He's still got an outside chance at 25 goals. And here we are again. He's been stuck on his total for the last little while. It's been eight games without a goal again. And you're going to ask for $6 million this offseason? you're out of your mind. Go get that somewhere else. You need to be able to contribute. Like Landis going out of the lineup should not crater even strength as much as it has. And a lot of that falls on the second line. Cause when you're playing the top line that much, you can't be surprised when they're exhausted. There needs to be other people carrying the load. I feel like we're reverting back to the old abs of a couple of years ago where it's just McKinnon, Rantanen, and I guess not Landis right now, but them and their panda merry men. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what it is because it's, it's just, it hasn't been good. Hopefully Lekkonen can get it going because Arturi Lekkonen in this Vancouver game had a work visa not go through. And so he was in the building, but yeah. he couldn't play. Me and Griffin are not even going to try to explain how that works because we are one, not smart enough or nor not qualified enough to talk about that. But uh it's a uh, it was an interesting reason that he could skate, but he couldn't play. Yeah, it's immigration issues and work visa stuff. I'm not smart enough for any of that, but I cer- I certainly hope Lekkinen can come in here and staunch some of this bleeding. Because if he can't, this is a big problem, and something yeah. that is. I I know that we're up 11 points on Calgary, and that I'm pinning a lot of this on that is that as much as you want to tell yourself that we're going to get up and play this game, 
we're not playing for anything. We're playing a team that's playing for their lives right now. There's going to be a big discrepancy in effort, no matter which way you slice it. But you start coasting into the playoffs, it's hard to just flip that switch back on. And I really hope Lekkonen can come in here and just bring some spark to the five-on-five and just add some depth, just take some pressure off because this is not going to work for much longer. No, it's not going to. And it's, I think Lekkonen can. I think Newhook just needs another player who's one capable forward I mean like you said with Logan O'Connor he's just been so fourth liney he's been maybe even borderline out of the lineup these past 25 games um and Lekkonen can at least create something he's played on the top six before I mean you gotta hope he brings something because I've liked what I've seen from Newhook in his game it's just he has no one else around him yeah no one. I love what Newhook brings Every single night, he brings a ton of energy. He brings a ton of drive. You can never, ever question his commitment and his attention to detail. He's doing all of the right things. And that is, to me, says more about his future in the NHL than anything else. But when you stick him on a line with uh, Logan O'Connor and sometimes JT Kompfer, it's it's just not going to get the job done. Who is he supposed to pass the puck to at a certain point? And we, we've got Lekkonen with the intention of playing him with Newhook. So yes. I think it's going to help to put some talent around Newhook to see what they can do and add some even more defensive responsibility to that line. But Lekkonen's only one guy. This needs, this needs to be a group effort. Berkey needs yeah. to be better. Like Lekkonen's not going to come in here and fix Berkey. Berkey needs to fix Berkey. And I know Kadri scored, but... Again, with the power play at even strength, you need to be better. And Comfer is just a, he scores every once in a while. I don't know what else you can expect. Like you got 20 points and you make three and a half million dollars. Like it's just not going to cut it. And I like Nico Sturm. I love what Nico Sturm has brought in his first couple games in Colorado, but you can't expect him to really score much. That's not his role. Yeah. Like he's a guy that is best fit as a fourth line center and will do the right things. I, I don't think he's not going to score at least a couple times before the end of the season. I think in the playoffs, his game's going to translate pretty well there as well. And I liked what Andrew Cogliano brought in his first game in this one. Uh, he obviously almost had the goal set up by Sturm, but these are guys that are not going to just single-handedly come in here and fix the bottom six. It's the fact that we've also got three guys to plug into our bottom six says just how effective the bottom six has been all year. It hasn't. It hasn't been good. And we've kind of survived with it. Like, I wouldn't say survive. Maybe survived is the right term, but we, we've kind of out kicked our coverage with it lately. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Like you've gotten away with it enough. And now you're with Landeskog out, you're really starting to see the microscope put on it that you, you just can't hide from it that much. And thank, thank God that we did get Lekkonen and we did get Cogliano. We did upgrade on Tyson Jost by getting Nico Sturm. But I, I really hope these guys can come in here and, and fix some things and can at least, if nothing else, get some other people to step up and maybe feel like their jobs aren't as secure as they once were. 
Yeah, I mean, hopefully Logan. I mean, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that Logan O'Connor was going to be a threat to miss, like be taken out of the lineup, I would have told you you were crazy. Like there was just no way that he was going to get taken out of the lineup. But I think you could make a case for him to get taken out of the lineup when Lekkonen gets back and so does um, so does Landis Gog. Like you, you could make a case. I don't think you should, but you can make the case for it. Yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, right now the odd man out to me is Abe Kubel. But I liked the way he's played these last couple of games. And, you know, I agree. And people always point like, oh, Kubel takes stupid penalties. You really look at it. No, he doesn't. You look at his last, like, two months in the lineup. He really hasn't taken that many penalties. The one time I ripped on Abay Bell for taking a dumb penalty, it wasn't even him. I was wrong. It was Ranton. Yeah, it was, that. Yeah, it was Ranton. Yeah, Ranton took that penalty. And so, Christian, I want to just – when do you think Abe Kubel last took a penalty at all? Was it the Los Angeles game in Long, LA? Longer than that. When are we talking here? We're talking February 21st in Boston. He took two penalties. And what about before that? The Los Angeles game. Nope. Last game in Chicago. <laughs> so he went a month without taking a penalty and now has gone a month again without taking another penalty. Since the, there, I mean, there was a time after the new year where he was he was good for a penalty at least every other game. Uh, since the the game in LA that we should not have won but did, he's taken three penalties and two were in the same game. So penalties aren't going to be the reason that Nack's not in the lineup. And I I really have liked the way he's played recently. And Darren Helm, I feel like Cogliano is a better version of helm at least for this team if that makes sense it's not that i don't like what darren helm does but from the very small sample size that i've seen from cogliano i feel like he does his job a little better i agree i mean darren helm's been better as of late um but i still i think cogliano is better for this team right now yeah and i i know we identified helmet like two episodes ago as being this great find for the avalanche. But now that we have Cogliano again, I feel like I like him a little more. I'm fine with helm in the lineup of not saying he needs to be taken out, but with Logan O'Connor, I mean, what a 180 we've had on this guy from a couple months ago. I mean, yeah. When like, I'm, 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 I'm looking it up now as to when the last time he had a point was okay. That's not that bad. The, the in, in New York game against the Islanders. Okay. But I mean, yeah, I, mean I, I, I know this off the top of my head, but when was the last time he scored a goal? Oh, geez. It was like 35 games ago. Wasn't it? It was January 2nd against the ducks. He scored the game winning goal with like a minute left there. It is that's right. He has not been able to pot a single one since. That was the first, that was the first game of 2022. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, he's, uh, you just, he can't, he can't score, man. He, he's just, he's just snake bitten. And I wouldn't even say he's been dangerous. You know no. what I mean? Like, it's not like, it's like when Berkey was getting close to busting that 18 game goal streak. Berkey was dangerous. I can't remember a time Logan O'Connor's been dangerous in the past 10 games. Yeah. And even the times he has been, he overthinks it and he thinks he's Nathan McKinnon going to his backhand in front of the net. Like, dude, just stand there and tap it in. Yeah. It's, it's really, sometimes it is just that simple. It really is like he, he could, but 
he just doesn't it's just the way it's just the way logan o'connor is sometimes man <laughs> like I, I just i mean this team as a whole right now i feel like they're just trying to find the perfect past i don't know about you if you feel that way yeah they like, definitely they, like as much as we're letting the top six off the hook especially the top line off the hook uh, Nathan McKinnon's been getting very cute with it lately. Kale McCarr has been getting very cute with it. Miko Rantanen is getting very cute with that puck. Like at some point, if you have a lane, just shoot. Shoot it. Yeah. Just shoot just it. Shoot. Like we sound like such stupid hockey fans when we say that, but if you've watched all these games, you realize the abs like they're creating chances. Like Kale McCarr last night against the Canucks had like three or four chances where I felt like he was looking for that backdoor pass on the back post for the easy tap. And he did it like three or four times and just missed a wide open. Like he had a great shot. And I want Caleb McCarr to shoot the puck. I want Nathan McKinnon to shoot the puck. I want Mika Ranton to shoot the puck. We're not talking about fucking like Logan O'Connor, not shooting the puck. We're talking about like the best players on your team. You want, you want them to have the puck on their stick and shoot. Right. So exactly. And then I know we sound like stupid hockey fans when we say shoot the puck, but that really is an analysis for this team right now. Shoot the puck. Yeah. And sometimes, like I just said, sometimes it really is just that simple. Just shoot it. Sometimes you need to simplify your game and be like, okay, I have a shot lane. Let me put this towards the net and see what can happen. Even if I don't score, maybe I can create a good rebound opportunity. Because especially on these power plays, I know the power play has been good lately, but this is a very good example of just looking for the perfect pass constantly. And just circling it around and around and around for a minute. And then someone gets the message and just shoots. Then they don't take a smart shot. It gets blocked and cleared again. I feel like that's a very good microchasm for this whole team right now. Yeah, it, it is. It, I mean, they, they just love to, they're just looking for the perfect pass. And when it works, God damn, is it a perfect pass? But there's a couple times it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, majority of the time it doesn't. Yeah, like I don't I didn't mean for this episode to turn into a rip fest like this team has lost five in a row, but I just don't I don't like the direction this has been heading in. And even even with the the Oilers game that we haven't talked about yet, I feel like we had a lot of the same problems in that as well. And one guy we haven't talked about yet and we should is Josh Manson, who his first two home games in Colorado, I don't think they could have possibly gone worse. Yeah, they were pretty bad. Um, he was just making some mistakes that you're just like, what are you doing, dude? Like in the Edmonton game on a Vander Kane's goal, he, he just skated without the puck. He just he forgot, just the forgot puck. it. Like I've, I've never seen anyone on this team do that this season where they just forgot the puck. Like, yeah. and that's, that's not an exaggeration. He got the pass, albeit not a great pass. They just forgot. Like he just turned his head forward and just started skating. Yeah. And then he, and then he looked down and realized he didn't have the puck. Oh wait, it's because it's in the net. Because Evander Kane's wide open, because you completely fucked up a transition play. Like I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that this year. Yeah, it was, it was pretty, like it was pretty funny when you look at it because they won the game in the moment. I was pretty pissed, but uh, yeah, he struggled. He looks tired. I don't know if you're noticing that too. He just I did tired. too, and that's that's the one thing that gives me hope because it's one thing that we all know is a thing in Denver, but kind of just gets overlooked sometimes. It's the altitude. You're not used to playing in it, and it's hard. It's hard to play in Denver if you don't usually play in Denver. I mean, the Ducks played here what once, twice this season. Twice, yeah, twice. twice. And so he's not here in Denver all that often, and he plays in California, 
Like that's much closer to sea level where it's much easier to breathe. That's the one thing that gives me hope is once he adjusts to Colorado and the, the altitude that he'll start to look a lot better because he's made mistakes. I'm just like, there's no way your brain's working at a hundred percent in these kind of situations. Cause we're, we're talking about three goals in two games that can directly be pinned on him. I mean, the, in the Oilers game, both goals can really be put on him. The Yamamoto goal. I mean, where are you? Where are you going? Like, what are you doing on this play? You are, you left your guy completely wide open and you're just kind of floating around the front of the net. And then the Evander Kane goal, which we talked about, you forgot the puck. Yeah. Wait, what is going on with that? Like you, you forgot the puck. Dude. He just forgot it. Like it was pretty funny how he just forgot the puck. Just said, screw it. I'm good. I don't need it. <laughs> like it was, it's been rough for him. Um, he, I remember he was toted as a puck clearing wizard and it seems like he's struggling clearing the puck. Yeah. And uh, when I've, when I've seen abs fans complaining about this mistake, I've seen some ducks fans come in here and be like, yeah, you might want to get used to this because good physical defenseman makes some absolutely horrendous plays with the puck. And I, I guess we just didn't see in the moment of him getting traded here is because it's always all positive when someone gets traded here. But now that he's been here a little while, I've started to see a lot more ducks fans be like, yeah, um, sometimes he's great. And sometimes he does those things a lot. Cause it's, it's not even just that too. The opening goal of the Vancouver game, he gets a puck along the board. Someone's getting that puck to him and just a, a weak attempt that goes right to a Canuck and it ends up with Brock Besser just sniping while he's wide open. Yeah. Like it, it, it was just a rough, it was a rough game for been a rough back-to-back games for him. Hey everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NHL season has been packed with dirty dangles, hat tricks, and big wins. As the action rolls on, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has your shot to win big. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's right, a bump in the win column for your team means free bets for you. So my advice, bet on the avalanche every single night. Seems to work most of the time. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, you still have a shot to light the lamp. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings daily fantasy hockey contests, just like me. Just about every single day, you can play for as little as a dime or for just about as much as you want. Set a lineup under the salary cap and just give it a run. What's the worst that can happen? DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposits. What are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now, back to the episode. I just, like, there's no way he's being this affected by playing with playing without Ryan Murray. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was struggling. Yeah. Oh, we forgot to mention that Ryan Murray broke his hand. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah. yeah, poor guy, man. Starts playing his best hockey of the year, and he breaks his hand. I mean, is but, that not the most Ryan Murray thing ever? Yeah. I feel bad for him at this point. I do. Like, it's just, I know he's injury prone and 
I feel I hate that word, but for him, it does apply because he he just gets hurt a lot. But you got to feel bad for him at some point. He finally starts playing well again and be like, oh, wow, you know, once this defense gets healthy, he, he's very, he might have just earned his way into the top six for the rest of the season, breaks his hand immediately. So now we're yeah. talking about no Sam, no Byram, no Murray. Three of your top six are gone. And the yeah. thing is, just going back to Manson for a second, what I was about to say is his games in before he came to Colorado were really good. And again, I feel like that there's something with the altitude that he's just not used to yet. Cause we played in San Jose, we played in California, sea level games. He was good. He was, he was real good in those. He had 10 hits against LA and I thought he was really good again against the sharks. I don't think it's a coincidence that he comes to Colorado for his first two home games and looks like a completely different player. I think there's something to that. I'd agree. I mean, he's, he's got uh, his, his times when he jumps up in the play sometimes I'm just like, dude, that was a terrible read. Like, why are you jumping up in the play in the offensive zone right there? Why are you pinching in? Like, yeah. I, you're supposed to be a stay at home defenseman. Why are you pinching in here right now, man? Like, yeah. Like that's not your job. Like we've Kale McCarr and Devontae's on the pair ahead of you that can do all of that. Your job is to make sure that no one gets behind you. Yeah. And so I, I hope that this is going to turn around with him. I feel like this game against Philly is going to be very important for him to have a very good night. Refresh my memory. Was he involved in the JT Miller goal that made it two to nothing? Cause I'm totally drawing a blank on who was on the ice for that. I think he was, that one was just like, uh, I think I texted you about that. If that was on, uh, if that was on Manson, I think that was the I think that was the first goal that we were talking about. But I I just all of a sudden I can't remember. I'm I'm looking it up right now. But yeah, he's he's just uh, like I, I like I was saying he just jumps up into the play sometimes. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like you can't play with Samuel Gerard if you're going to jump up in the play. Like, but neither of you have the speed that Kale McCarr Devontae's to recover in the play. Like one of you has to be stay at home. Yeah, and I, I feel like there's also a certain point of learning the system here that he just hasn't gotten to yet. And like I, it's going to get better with time. I really doubt that this is going to be a problem all the way into the playoffs. And if it is, um, fuck, because that's terrible. Yeah, we're, in, we're in some trouble. Yeah. I mean, especially right now, no Sam, no Byram, now no Ryan Murray. Now you're down to both Johnsons and Manson and probably Curtis McDermott too. Like. Yeah, it was it was Eric Johnson on the second goal that had a terrible pinch. Okay, yeah, I, that's, what I, I, that's what I thought. I just for some since I was ripping on Manson, I thought it was him too, but I'm glad I didn't say it was. Yeah, it was it, it was EJ, but yeah, it was uh, was not the best uh, game for Josh Manson. I mean, I, I we we talked about Kim McCarr being great. He didn't have a particularly like great offensive game tonight or last night at this point. Like he had a chance. I remember he was walking in and just whiffed on a shot, like just totally <laughs> whipped on a shot, which you'd never see Kale McCarr do. Um, yeah, this has really turned into a depressing up. Like we were acting like this team has lost like four or five. Like that, that was their first loss in four straight. Like they'd won four straight games before that. So like there's still things we can rip, but we're getting to that point now in the season where we really are just 100% focused on the playoffs. Like the playoffs are the only thing we're worried about. And every game we watch, it's like, hey, does this translate to the playoffs? And these past couple, there's definitely been some opportunities to get corporate America on 
right there. Like there's, there's some opportunities that they can improve on. Yeah. I mean, it's like I said a little earlier, these games don't matter. We're 11 points up on the Flames, who we should not let off the hook for blowing a 3-1 lead to the Sharks on home ice with two goals in 23 seconds, uh, just so before everyone freaks out about the Avalanche losing ever. Uh, the Flames did that to the Sharks, and we are 11 points up on them for the entire conference. It's like I said, when you have a team like Vancouver that is fighting for their lives like they are and needed to win that game just to even really stay realistically in the race, because even with that win, they're three points behind Dallas, and Dallas has three games in hand on them. And they're they're two games behind Vegas. Vancouver has a game in hand, and now they're tied with the Jets, who have kind of swung their way back into that playoff conversation. And Winnipeg has a game in hand on them, and so they not only needed to win this game, but their game against Minnesota is ongoing right now. I haven't checked the score since we started recording, but three three, I believe. Yeah, they need they need to win that game too. And Minnesota is up two to one on them right now. Oh, I was talking about I was talking about Carolina Dallas. That's my bad. Yeah. But yeah, and Minnesota's up on them right now late in the second period. They need they need to win that game too to realistically be in this conversation for the playoffs. And they need Dallas to lose to Carolina. And they're in OT right now. So they're still getting a point out of it no matter what. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like the, the discrepancy in what's at stake for both teams. As much as this team tells themselves that we're going to get up for this game and this game matters and it's important and we're going to give it our all, at a certain point, we all know that's not true and you're not going to because you don't need to. We're coasting. As much as I don't want to coast, you are in coast mode right now. We're at 95 points You've essentially, you've unofficially clinched a playoff spot. 95 points. If you get that in a season, odds are you make the playoffs unless you're in a ridiculously good conference. And newsflash, we are not. Yeah, conference stinks. Yeah. And uh, what did I say last episode? That if we lose every game, we have an 8% chance to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. So it was if, we, ridiculous like that. if we lose 18 in a row, uh, we have an eight percent chance to miss the playoffs we're in like we've made the playoffs already and you are five and a half games up on calgary it's not always going to be give your give your all every night i will reserve judgment i know it's a little late for that because i've already been kind of harsh but i will reserve judgment until after the minnesota and calgary games because those matter those do matter yeah they do and like that's why i texted you last night man it's like I want to be mad about losing, but I just I I don't care about that game like against Vancouver. Like I, I I want to be mad, and if we didn't have to talk about it on the show, I I would have already forgotten about that game. Like I, I just I did not care about that loss. I just didn't. Like it, it, I hate losing, but it's like in the grand scheme of things, that loss means zero. We'll forget about it by next week. Yeah, and you know what it is? I'm not mad about the the loss or losing. It's the same thing I've been doing all year. I'm upset about the process. I did not like the process of that game. That's the only thing that matters right now. Win, win loss, especially at this point in the season for us, does not matter. I'm not happy with the bottom six. I think it's been terrible lately. And your stars, I know we had a ton of power play minutes. I know it's inflating these numbers, but McKinnon, Kachushkin, and Rantanen, each played around 25 minutes as forwards. That can't happen. That's and ridiculous. Like 
you can't have you, your stars are just going to tire themselves out. Like Berkey played 15 minutes and Comfort played 17. O'Connor played 13. Newhook played 14. Cogliano played eight. Aubrey Cubell played six. There needs to be more love going around in the scoring department. It can't just be the same guys every single night. And also, I didn't even realize this. Josh Manson played 13 minutes less than back back games. Yeah. Only better than Curtis McDermott, who played nine. Yeah. Not good, man. It just, it just hasn't been good. So they, they need to, they need to get better. My boy Curtis was on fire last night. He was creating some chances, man. And he usually does, doesn't he? Yeah, he was creating some chances. I loved it. But, uh, yeah, man, like, we're not trying to be, like, super negative. It's just it, at this point of the year, we, we really don't have anything to talk about anymore until the playoffs. Yeah, so we got to fill show gaps here. Yeah, and it's also, like, we can't just be, like, we can't lose a game like that and just sit here and be, like, oh, everything's fine. Yeah. There, are, there are things that need to be fixed here, and you can't just rely on the trade deadline anymore. Once you get Lekin in the lineup, I think some of this stuff is going to get better. Get, I'm not expecting a ton from Cagliano, but I liked what I saw from him in this game. I really like Nico Sturm. I thought that I think that's a great trade from Joe Sackick. That's going to add some kick into the bottom six. But this is the team you've got right now. There's no one else coming in to help. This is the team you've got. You need. Like I'm going to call out Berkey again here because I, I feel like he's kind of the most important piece to this. If he's just going to score a couple goals every couple of games, and then just go eight games without a goal again, then this just isn't going to work. You need all guns firing. Yeah, I agree. But even after saying all that, uh, it should be said that it could be much worse. We could be the Vegas Golden Knights right now who are in the shitter right now. I have never seen a team town this bad. Not even just the way they've been playing lately and the, the games they've been losing. Uh, the first time I have ever seen a trade get voided in my life after they tried to trade of getting Dodonov to Anaheim. Yeah, it got voided, which I, I agree. I've never seen it before. I've never seen a trade get voided in the NHL. I'm sure it's happened, but I just never pay attention. Um, but for those who didn't know, the Vegas Golden Knights tried to dump Evgeny Dodonov's salary and get back Ryan Kessler's retirement deal to clear some cap space to welcome back Alec Martinez and or not even Mark Stone because it wouldn't have cleared enough money. But they were trying to be sneaky and mess around with the LTIR some more. And it turns out Evgeny Dodonov had a no-trade clause or no – a no movement clause. Excuse get a, me to, get a modified no trade clause. Yeah. That, that had and Anaheim on the list. There was a huge debacle over whether it was submitted in time. And it turns out it was submitted in time, but that just puts Dodonov in a no win situation. Like he earned the right to get that no trade clause. Like he earned that right. He negotiated that his agent got it for him. And I think as much as I want to pile on Vegas, it sounds like a lot of this was due to, um, Ottawa not doing their due diligence, but um, it is funny to think that only this only happens to Vegas. I mean, I don't know how much blame can really even be put on the senators with this. This trade happened in July, and but they didn't know he had a modified no trade, even if they didn't know the teams on it. He, he has an agent, he can ask, 
Like Dodonov did everything he was supposed to do. He submitted his no trade clause to the senators at the time before the deadline. And it had Anaheim on it. And that no trade clause, when he was traded to Vegas, carried over with them. Like it, it doesn't matter if Pierre Dorian, incompetent as he is, didn't mention it. I mean, you 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 could go on cap friendly and see that he didn't have a or that he did have a no trade clause. And you can ask his agent before you make the trade. Or I guess the thing was I heard with Elliot Freeman is like they thought it was voided. And that's why sent the biggest thing to me is central registry approved the deal. That's what made this such a problem. I don't know, like Vegas can make that mistake all day, but this is on the, the central registry office to be like, um, the, you can't do that. He has a no trade clause. We're not yeah. letting the trade go through because there was a point in time where Dodonov was traded to the Ducks and it was announced and this deal is done. And then they're like, wait a second. No, you can't do that. And so we have this debacle for three days and the NHL is like, oh, yeah, he has a no trade clause that he did everything right for. And so, no, this trade is voided and the trade deadline has passed. So Evgeny Dodonov is still on the Vegas Golden Knights and taking up $5 million in cap that they're going to have to pay even more to clear because they can technically still trade him. He just can't play for the rest of the season if they do that. And it's like we were talking about earlier. It's not enough to get Mark Stone back, is it? Because Mark Stone's nine and a quarter million dollars and Alec Martinez is five and a quarter. So they could bring Martinez back, not Mark Stone. Is that worth trading a a first and probably other assets at this point to Arizona in order to do? Like, is it worth it in the aspect of like, this is, I think Vegas is going to bounce back next year. Like they, I don't think they're this bad. They've had a ton of injuries. Robin Leonard's been out. They can't get a save to save their fucking life. Like, I agree with you. Is it worth getting these guys back just to like maybe salvage like a what could be a Stanley Cup run? Like, I, I don't know if I wouldn't even say they're a top. Well, the West is pretty bad. They're probably still a top four team, I would say, in the playoffs if they were to make it. Like, of the contenders, if Vegas gets in, I still think they're probably top four. But like, is it worth trading a first round pick to get Alec Martinez back? You know what I mean? Like, my whole thing with this goes all the way back to getting Dodonov for Vegas. I still don't understand why they traded for him. It didn't make sense at the time. And they traded Marc-Andre Fleury's cap hit for nothing to go get him. And now here we are. They're trying to dump him because they overplayed their hand and got Jack Eichel. And now they can't field a team. And they can't, they physically cannot field a team. They can't. Like, what probably, did I see? Didn't they have like 26 players total now without like, if did, because like, there's no way Dodonov plays. He's playing. Like, he's on oh, the he line. Is? Oh, he is. He is playing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I mean, like he I'll has, a, he has a contract and he's not hurt. So he's going to play. That's awesome. I love that. But I mean, they're, they're, they're in some deep shit. Like they did this to themselves. No, yeah, this is, all, this is all their fault. I mean, this there's got to be some heads that are going to roll if they actually do miss the playoffs here. Number one's Pete DeBoer. But uh, Kelly McCrimmon should not be escaping blame here with how he has bungled this asset management this season with the trading flurry for nothing and then using the space they got, not to get Jack Eichel, 
but to get Evgeny Dodonov for $5 million, a third line winger. I, I think Dodonov's a fine player. I'm not saying he sucks, but the guy's got 27 points in 62 games and you're paying him 5 million bucks and he doesn't even expire until next season. I don't know what they were thinking with this. And then they get Jack Eichel. He comes back and they have to put Mark Stone on quote unquote LTIR for his back injury. And he'll magically be back for game one of the playoffs. And uh, oh no, now the team isn't good enough to even make the playoffs because they don't have a goalie. Am I nuts to think that Kelly McCrimmon should not be getting off scot-free here? Oh no, they, there's going to be heads that roll. I mean, they fired Gerard Gerlant for much less. Much less uh, than this. Much less. And he did not have nearly the talent that uh, DeBoer has. And the funny part is, like, I love going on Vegas Twitter because they're, they're just as annoying as Avs fans, I'd imagine. Like, Oh, more like, so. Yeah, they're very annoying. Like, Avs fans, like, when I speak, I am one. I'm annoying as fuck on Twitter. Like, I, that's fine. I know myself. But, like, going on there and reading stuff, like, it is, it's bad. Like, their online presence is bad. And their Twitter is, like, the Vegas Twitter, like, the main Twitter page, is truly one of the worst social media, like, outlets I think of any sports team. I, like, I don't, I, just I don't so think it's I don't think yeah, it's even it's, close. I can't think of one that even remotely compares. Like, I don't like Carolina's, but at least they do a semi-decent job. Vegas's for the last three years has been, like, it's intolerable how bad it is. It's like, I can't even put into words. That, like, I have it muted and blocked on every single account because I, I cannot even stand it. I don't I, know I mean, why they keep doing it. I, it's weird because, like, they'll be like, like when the abs go down, like they'll tweet some cool graphics. They'll do stuff like that. They'll just tweet like they lost to, was it Winnipeg? Like four nothing. They didn't tweet a graphic of like anything. It just said, it, the tweet was literally just four nothing. That's it. That was the tweet. Well, that like, and that's the thing. They didn't even tweet out a final score. They just tweeted it when they made it four to nothing. Like I'm looking at it right now. It's the most, like if you don't know what we're talking about, number one, lucky you. Second of all, it's really hard to put into words how they act during games. Like, Oh, we're losing uh, send dog picks and they scored again. And Oh, that freaking post. And we're down two to nothing mood. When you get your socks wet, like what, are you, like what the fuck are you talking about? What are you saying? What You're is the organization? Like I'm right. all for having, I think the abs, this is biased again, because we're very biased. I'm not ignoring that. The abs Twitter is the perfect amount of professional and fun. I think the caps are the most underrated because they, their social media manager. I've, I've actually met him once or twice. He's really, really good. And it's just the a right amount of professionalism. And when we win, it's making jokes at other teams expense that are actually really funny, but it's not like during a get like first intermission poll. Would you rather go to the moon or go to Mars? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we're talking about hockey, dude, yeah. we're in danger of missing the playoffs. Like, why are you asking this? Yeah. And that, it is fun to go read on there, like, just how many Avs fans jump into that. Like, it's setting ourselves up for failure when we lose, um, if we lose, because, man, people are going to control the shit out of us. But, it's like, like Avs Twitter is so much fun to me, man. I, I think it's the most fun Twitter. Um, granted, it's the only one I'm involved in. But, uh, yeah, just I thank my heavens every day that we don't have the Vegas social media. They, they, they lost 3 nothing to Minnesota, and they just tweet out, Mondays are the worst. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? Like, it's not funny, man. What is and like they're de- like 
they're down three to nothing in the third period. And they're tweeting out, seems like a good time for some ice cream. Like you can't even make that up. I'm sad that I lack the talent to make that up, that they tweeted that. I I sometimes like, I think my tweets are bad. And then I go and see them and I'm just like, okay, like we're good. We're good here. Oh my. Okay. So this is actually, if you actually read through them, the funniest thing they've ever tweeted is completely serious. Cause they're talking, they're saying we've become aware of an issue with respect to the, the Donov trade. We've been consulted. It's like complete legal talk, professionalism. And then two tweets later, it's, it seems like a good time for some ice cream. <laughs> what the fuck? It's bad, dude. Like it's just, everything's going wrong for Vegas right now. And I am living for it. Oh, like, it I, is. I have waited so long for this. They deserve everything that's coming to them with how fucking annoying they are, how fucking annoying most of their fans are. There are some good Vegas fans. I will put that out there. And how whiny their team is, how whiny Pete DeBoer is for his fucking tirade after his team took perfectly fine penalties in game two. And the way they treat their players in the offseason is like, oh, you just signed a six-year extension with us to Buffalo with you. Or, oh, you're Marc-Andre Fleury and you built this franchise. Uh, You're traded for nothing. And we're not going to tell you. You're finding out on Twitter. And you're getting traded to the worst run organization in sports at the moment right now and the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. And like, he just won the Vesna. I know he shouldn't have won and it should have been Vasilevsky, but he still won it and they traded him for nothing. Yeah. This team right. deserves every awful thing that's going to happen to them. And, you know, we talk about if they're going to trade to Donov, which they still might, which is very funny to think about. Why and did you want to go there? I, I don't like exactly. And if they're going to do that, it's going to have to be next year's first. Imagine if they're bad next year and they give up a top 10 pick just so they can play Alec Martinez for 18 games. That's the point. I think they may just suck it up and and take the L. Yeah. Like you guys didn't ask his agent what his no trade clause was. Like you deserve this. Yeah, dude. I got to go off topic here because Dallas just won the game. They beat the way. They got outshot 47 to 15. And won four to three. That is that makes zero sense. And they won in a shootout, Griffin. Your favorite. My fit, just the most fair thing you can possibly imagine. <laughs> like that's ridiculous, dude. Who was the Hurricanes goalie? I think it was uh, Anderson. Guy. It was Anderson because I started him in, in DraftKings. A point eight zero save percent. A point and save percentage. That's just that's not good, man. But yes. that, that's another thing, too, going back. That ties back to Vegas. With Dallas winning, they are now three points up on Vegas with four games in hand. Yeah, like we're talking about this playoff race with Winnipeg, Vancouver, Vegas. I just think it's Dallas. Like, Yeah, unless Dallas utterly chokes, which if they keep winning games like that, they'll be fine. Um, they, they'll be okay. Yeah, and that's a huge win for them, too, because I think they their end-of-the-season stretch isn't that bad. Like they, they have Vancouver coming up, which is actually a huge game. But then they have two straight games against the Ducks, the Sharks, and then the Kraken, the Islanders, Toronto, New Jersey, Chicago. I just listed one playoff team in that entire next stretch. I think it's them. And we look at the standings right now, even with that win, actually hasn't updated yet. So once it, it, updated, it, updated. it, once it updates, they'll actually be three points behind Nashville. So actually, I mean, they could feasibly catch them, but – it's looking like it more likely than not, it's going to be Colorado and Dallas in the first round. Ooh. What was Dude, that? 
this is crazy. There's going to be Dallas versus Vegas, April 26th. Could be a massive, massive Ooh, hockey game. That would be a lot. Of, and they play Vancouver a week before that, too. Yeah, they play Vancouver twice. Vegas well, That's going to be a fun... A home-and-home. Home. But, I mean, Vegas's schedule really isn't that tough either. I mean, they've got Seattle twice, Arizona. They also play the least amount of games. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I mean, they do have Calgary, Edmonton on the road. They got to go to Dallas, to Chicago, to St. Louis. But who knows what St. Louis is going to be doing at that point. They got Washington at home. So, really, if you're looking at it, Vegas cannot afford to lose any of the games against Seattle. Like, they can't lose any more games that they should win. They're at that point now where if they lose a game that they should win, they're in deep shit. Yeah, and the thing with Vegas right now is that I either need them to just win out or lose out. Either get, yeah. get into the top three in the Pacific or miss the playoffs entirely. Because I know I'm all for I want the hardest matchup in the first round, but doesn't Vegas just feel a little ridiculous? Yeah, like especially a team Mark Stone just coming back. Magically going to bring Mark Stone and Alec Martinez and Robin Leonard back. Like, that's yeah. not a first-round matchup. That's just a little ridiculous. Well, well, the thing is, too, we're focused on Dallas. Edmonton could very likely blow it and could fall. I don't know, man. The Oilers have looked pretty good lately. And I, mean, even, I know we, we, I know, I know we kind of – they did, but I, and I know we brushed over their game against us. But I liked how the Oilers played in that game. Under Jay Woodcroft, that is a different team. They don't have the talent to win the Cup, but I think it's going to be enough for them to get into the playoffs. And they're they're playing San Jose tonight. I don't actually the game. It's an intermission right now. It's still zero zero there. They've got a pretty decent record since they brought Woodcroft in. I think they're going to end up finishing second in the Pacific and get home ice. You think they catch LA? I mean, they're only three points behind with a game in hand, and it's it's like I've talked about with the Kings all year. They're okay. They're fine. And in the Pacific, that might be enough. But they lost pretty bad to Vegas recently, and their, their schedule to end the season actually isn't that bad. So I think they're going to hold down that third spot. Just my thing with Vegas is it just doesn't feel like that's a fair first-round matchup for us. We put in all the work and we're going to have a historic season, and our reward is a healthy Golden Knights team. Yeah. like I mean, And we beat them. I'm, I'm not saying that that's a loss, but come on. The way Vegas is playing right now, we we, we, pro, we might sweep them. We would, yeah, we would steamroll. If we get this Vegas team, even with yeah. Mark Stone and Robin Leonard, we steamroll them. It's not a question. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. It's interesting. It's I I'm loving it because I do still think they're going to find a way to like, there's just way too much talent on that team to, I mean, but at the same time, the, if their goaltending is bad, Brassois hurt now too. It's Logan Thompson. That's their goalie right now. Yeah. Logan That's Thompson it. or is, is Brassois hurt? Cause the That's cop- what I, I thought I heard on broadcast that he was hurt. Cap friendly shows him that he's fine, but. Thompson's played the past three games. So. I, oh no! I now, now, uh, now it shows that he's out. But yeah, yeah, and so is Yuri Patera. Yeah, like, so we're talking like, like I don't think Vegas will be this bad next year. Like they've just had the amount of injuries. Like Pacioretty, I think is still hurt. Yeah, he's out. Stone's out. Martinez has been out since forever. Braden McNabb's hurt too, and Riley Smith's now hurt too. 
it's everyone, man. Their whole team's fucking hurt. So I I don't think just to put a bow on it that they trade Dodonov for this team right now. I I think it'd be a it's not worth it, man. And maybe we've been wrong the whole time. Maybe Mark Stone is actually seriously hurt. Like who knows? Um, Well, it doesn't matter. They can't activate him. Yeah. So it's just. It's an interesting time, man. And we're going to do a lot of these conversations because the abs like just we're done. Are are the only thing for us that's interesting to the end of the season is that race because we're we're done unless we the wheels totally fall off the wagon and we lose like 75 percent of our games. We're going to get the top spot in the West. I don't care about the president's trophy. I really don't. I don't care if we win it. I don't care if we don't. You know, it's it's pretty interesting when you do look at the pr- most recent Stanley Cup winners of the last five years. I know no President's Trophy team has won it, but usually it's a team in that conversation that does end up winning it. Like the Penguins one year, they were second in the league, the second year of their back-to-back. And you look at a lot of teams with goals for and goals against and ended up winning the Cup, we kind of line up with a lot of them in terms of that. Yeah. Like. I think we're second in goals for behind Florida and uh, like eighth or ninth in goals against that actually does line up quite favorably with teams that have gone on to win. Yeah. I got, I have faith in this. Like we'll be fine, man. And it's just kind of who are we matching up against? I, I think Dallas would be an interesting matchup. Uh, I don't, I just don't want, I agree with you. Vegas just doesn't seem fair. Like, come on, man, give us a break. But uh yeah, it's going to be interesting these next couple of weeks because there's really not much to talk about with the abs. Yeah, like we're going to get through these games. We're going to analyze the process and then come to the conclusion that, oh, this does not matter at all right now. So Man, I, Dallas would be an interesting series. I think it would be pretty fun. I don't think it's going to be easy, but it's it's going to be a series you're going to have to show up for. If, if it's just going to be your tops, top line rolling into that series and no one else uh, – you're not winning. Yeah, you're not winning. It's not going to be fun. Dallas is a good enough team that you have to take them seriously, and that's why I want to play Dallas in the first round because they're going to have to try in order to beat them. So, And the odds favorite being Dallas, if you look at all the playoff metrics, if you look at uh, Hockey Viz, it has them at 32%, and surprisingly Winnipeg at 17%, which I think is pretty interesting. And Nashville- Winnipeg I think I'm more scared of just because I like their – top um, six i am analysis. not scared of the jets in the least bit the avalanche would have their way with them in the playoffs I mean, we've had their way with them all year but it's just i don't know it, it'd be interesting i think if the jets get in i think that is the best possible matchup for us honestly i think we would utterly destroy them like even in games they've won recently i've watched them like please win i want to rip apart that transition <laughs> defense Kale McCarr going up against the Jets with Nathan McKinnon wouldn't be fair. McKinnon would finish that series in four games with nine points. I'm not scared of the Jets. And Connor Hellebuck has not been good. He's been better lately. That's a low bar. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, we're going to have fun. We we appreciate all uh, y'all hanging out with us a day later than you usually do. Um, as it turns out, my daytime job is still my daytime job, and I need to focus on that sometimes. So we appreciate y'all's patience with it. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we'll get a game against the Flyers that I imagine will beat the shit out of them because the Flyers will be playing the second half of back-to-back. 
and we'll probably get Martin Jones in goal. So the Avs should win. Hopefully Arturi Lekkinen plays. And he should play. He should, but I can't wait, man. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, should be interesting. We have the Wild on Sunday. We'll be recording after that game's done. It's actually a little bit earlier this time, so that won't be a problem. But again, sorry, this episode's a day late, conflicting schedules, all stuff like that. We're easygoing, guys. We can go with the flow. And we've released we released a, an extra episode already. So, oh, and by the way, most popular episode all time already of course it's our worst audio episode but i mean that's just that's just that's usually if you look at our most popular episodes of all time they're all ones where we hung up and i went i told myself wow you sucked tonight that was terrible and so (laughs) it's gotten to a point where i know if i don't have a ton of energy and i feel like i'm not really bringing anything i'm like fuck this one's gonna do like this one's gonna be a top five of all time that's usually how it works but again thank you to everyone for tuning into that one the Emergency Artery Lekkanen podcast. And thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at G Young's NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Bollet. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is to get updates in case something like this ever does happen again. You will be the first to know. But again, thank you so much for tuning in. And we will catch you all next time when we are going to be fresh off of a game in Minnesota. So there is a good possibility that we are going to be flaming hot because we're going to come right into this one once that game's done. Yeah, so that could be uh, a fun episode. Look forward to that. Obviously, for for better or worse, we are going to get no time to think about it. And I, <laughs> I have a, I just have a feeling we're going to come in here red hot about something. I'm not saying we're going to lose but it's Minnesota. Something's going to happen that's going to get us upset. So look forward to that. But we'll see you guys next time. Enjoy the rest of your week.